I'm ready though. I got my coffee. This is my third one today. I have not unhealthy at all. I've been talking all day, and so I have I have my hydration. Mm-hmm. Can you hear this? Good, good, the good sound of uh, some water drinking. A good sip. A good sip. Ah, beautiful, <sighs> beautiful. <laughs> that quenching of the thirst vibes. Yeah, today was a uh, bounce around between meetings kind of day. <laughs> yes, that and the moment you walk in, you're like, oh, it'll be a chill day. No big deal. Boom. Eight different things happen all at once and need to get them all done. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? Always. Welcome to the consulting always, always. life. Yes. Yes, sir. I mean, I feel like with anything, not even consulting. Um, yeah. I mean, hell, just life in general, not even a job. <laughs> really. True. Not wrong. It's always there. It just pops up out of nowhere. And you're like, "What? where did you come from? <laughs> I didn't ask for you. You weren't a part of my daily schedule. I didn't schedule. ask for this. I didn't anticipate this. I didn't plan for this. You were not accounted for in my SOW. Now I got to handle you. Oh, the handleage. The handleage is always the worst. I'm charging a handling fee. <laughs> hubba hubba. Um, oh my god, so... Ready. So intros. Uh-huh. Hi. Uh I am paler than a piece of paper because I don't leave the house. Alex Helfaker. <laughs> Hi, I'm ninety-nine percent visible. I don't know what happened to the one percent. PK. Ooh. I literally you, just came you. up with that on the spot. I'm so proud of myself. Ooh. That was that was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I was I love the creativity. I was like thinking about it before and I was like they're hard. They're hard to come up mm-hmm. with, but like sometimes they just like come to you like a vision. You just have to sleep on it, and then it just like poof. I grant yeah, onto exactly. me. Thine exactly. Thine phrasing. Oh wait. Okay. So, well, so yeah, we just kick things off. So, um, mm-hmm. welcome to Red Eye Design, where we share our thoughts on design products, tools that we use, ethics, and our experiences as we navigate the design industry. And that is the most scripted part. Of this entire podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for the roller coaster of a ride where the roller coaster has not been built yet. That's right, we are laying the track as the car is going downhill. Be prepared. That's more exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which higher way is the risk. twist and curve going to go? You don't know. It could be not a barrel roll. Not necessarily high reward. We don't know. <laughs> we could just keep going up, 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 building on that potential energy. Where does it become kinetic? Yeah, it's Who like d- design as you go. Design as you go. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Yolo, Lolo, Lolo. <laughs> I'm I'm in a mood. I've got energy today. <laughs> I am like adequate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't put that on your Tinder profile. Yeah. <laughs> First thing. <laughs> I don't really do anything. I guess I'm just adequate. <laughs> I'm adequate. <laughs> I will fulfill your needs on an adequate level. Yeah. Every need you have, I'll be adequate mm-hmm. at fulfilling it. <laughs> That'll that's that's number one way to sell sell to the people. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Adequate adequacy. This product is adequate. Yeah. It'll do what you need. Bare base. I mean, I guess functional. you could say People do say that. They just don't say adequate because it has a certain connotation right. around it. Right, so slightly negative. Like, 
this like it's very utilitarian mm-hmm. like people will use that kind of as a pass off for adequate um hmm. interesting i never thought about that before um we have some follow-up do we do um i actually did hear back from that uh listener once again about uh the figma feedback so um mm-hmm. i think we had touched on this maybe once before but we'll actually need to drop the link in our show notes so check our show notes out for this link it was a, a listener that i think is in university and so was learning a little bit about our thoughts on figma and how we use it so it was great to hear that feedback so thank you for sharing that um heard back again she she was great to hear that we were we were responsive um so yeah we'll drop the article in there it was a good little article on design tools and um branding and how to create logos so a little bit more on the graphic design side of things as opposed to ux but still a valuable article so thank you for sharing and we'll drop that in there yeah, thank you, thank you. Always love talking to new people, getting your new perspective on things, yeah. and finding new resources. There's, I I can't even count how many new articles a day I come across. Yep, I my browser like tabs only on get it. more complex until a weekend shows up where I'm Same. like, no. And then world. sometimes I'll just like Command W. I'll just like screw up Safari and it won't restore my session. I'm like, well, I guess that's gone. Okay, <laughs> nebada. <laughs> But it's kind of like a wash because I couldn't necessarily tell you what all those tabs were anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I guess they weren't that important. Exactly. That's right? usually if how I If I can feel. live without them and I can afford to lose them and not remember it, not that important. Right. But it's more I'll get to it eventually kind of thing. Precisely. If you feel me. Um, so speaking oh of my getting God, to so, things eventually, so there's our transition. I... I have gone through a journey, a journey that has been many years in the making, uh, and I've been waffling on this purchase. Um, but like, I've wanted a Roomba since oh my god, since I probably like first saw them at like a sharper image or something mm-hmm. when I was younger. I I don't even know why. I think at the time I just thought it was cool that it was like a robot vacuum. I think it was your innate but as I got, cleanliness was just like I don't have to do this and something else could do this for me and I don't well, have to yell at somebody. I, see, that's that's my perspective now, but when I was younger, I don't think that was my perspective because I didn't really have to vacuum uh-huh. and I wasn't really concerned with it. It was more just like, wow, this seems like the future kind of thing at the time. Um but as I've gotten like older and especially now that i'm like working from home and i'm around all the time so like one of my pet peeves is like if i'm walking around my house whether it be in like sock feet or like i have socks on or i have bare feet like i don't want to step on any crumbs it like it is like the number one thing that'll make me just feel like the whole house is dirty Mm -hmm. right um like if the counters like have stuff on them, I can wipe the counters. That's like a smaller area. But if the floors, if I feel like anything on the floor, it feels like the whole floor is dirty and like by extension, the whole house is dirty. Just me and my particular psychosis. Anyway, um, <laughs> getting some insight into Alex's um, level of insanity. Yeah. So I, I have been like waffling on buying a Roomba for like literally like more than half a year. I've mm-hmm. been reading all that. Well, not a Roomba in particular, like a robotic vacuum, let's say. Automated there are many vacuum, manufacturers. Yes. Yeah. There are tons of manufacturers. Like prices range from literally like $150 to like 
multi dollars or whatever it is. Um, and so I like watched, there's a really awesome YouTube channel actually. Mm-hmm. It's called Vacuum Wars and I watched them quite a bit because um, they have a lot of different breakdowns by like price category, by company, um, and just kind of walk through like they have a test that applies for every single one. So it's it's a pretty good baseline compared to something like uh, like wire cutter, which is more like this is the one we think you should get kind of thing based on our testing. But yeah. they're not like breaking down the testing as much mm-hmm. and like bringing down this out the statistics and whatnot. So I waffled on it for a while, um, mostly because I couldn't decide if I wanted like a basic one or like. A premium one and the big difference between like basic robot vacuums and premium robot vacuums is how they like navigate your home mm-hmm. so most people probably know that like Roombas in their mind are picturing like a circle that goes around your room bumps into a corner and then adjusts itself to try to not bump itself again um, right and it uses that to navigate your house more or less um, the new ones use Two different types there's camera based navigation and there's basically i think it's more or less lidar so it's like shooting off lasers mm-hmm. um to map your room and it goes through your your house in a straight line or so it goes like up and down as opposed to randomly kind of bopping around the room um and the re- the real advantage for that is like if you have a really large house and the battery on the vacuum dies mm-hmm. before it can like get to your whole house it'll pick up where it left off once it recharges because it knows where it is in your house um and then you can also like set up like zones and like virtual like don't go here based on the map of your house Mm -hmm. um but in terms of like time and like cleaning efficiency they more or less actually are equivalent um when you watch the video breakdowns which is kind of crazy to think about you think oh this thing going straight lines right is going to be so much faster cleaning my room than something that's kind of like random bopping all around Mm -hmm. but no they're actually really similar they based on the tests like i was watching they basically all clean the room about like 20 25 minutes yeah Um, which makes sense because of uh i mean just from a mathematical probability perspective like i was reading about it there was when the room first came out there was like oh it's got like this random algorithm um how efficient is it and just based off of pure probability and um, technical like randomness, if you have a purely random mm-hmm. object, it can hit every element in a space. So, kind of cool thing. Yeah, and it, it's not totally random. Like it, it is smart. There's stuff. There's logic behind it. Oh, obviously, yeah. like you can see it. It kind of tries to like tease out where the corner is on something, and so it'll just keep kind of like nudging into it because it has. It has the big bumper on the front, but there are different sensors in the bumper on like either side because say, okay, you're getting bumped on the right side a little bit, like keep kind of proceeding and turning right until you're not hitting this thing. So you can kind of go around the the perimeter of an object. Um, so it it's fun to watch. It drives, it drives Lewis crazy uh, because it is random, which is like <laughs> a thing that people, it drives people right. crazy. We were saying it's like the, um, the DVD logo from back in the day DVD. the screensaver where you would have the little oh the dvd dot. square and oh, it would bop wait and it's like in the TV office screen, where um and then it would never go in the corner except until, for like i've seen it go in the corner like twice in my whole yeah, life I think. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, but it's so satisfying when it finally 
hits the corner. That's kind of what owning a Roomba is like if you watch it. Um, <laughs> which is satisfying when it like finally picks up the piece of dirt and you're like, yes, you got it. Like, great job. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, it's just like a bit maddening to watch it explicitly. Um, so anyway, so kind of waffled on like which type of navigation I wanted. Ultimately, I decided to like to go with the more basic navigation, mostly because I have a smaller apartment. I don't have like a huge house or like multiple stories or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on what I was reading, like the old method of navigation is fine for a small space and the features in the higher end robots, like while very cool, they have ones that can dock and then the dock sucks out the dirt from the robot. So it can like keep, keep going. going. Yeah. Um, I don't need that. Yeah. Like it's cool and it's nice, but I don't need that right now. So I was decided to go like mid to low range. And then next was like deciding a brand. And there's so, especially in the last couple of years, there are a ton of new brands, mm-hmm. like ton of like way cheaper uh, robot vacuums. So there's Ufy, which I think is how you say it. E-U-F-Y. Is that how you would say that? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say Ufy. Yuffie? Okay, cool. Um, and I believe Anchor owns them, which oh. is like a pretty big like accessory maker. They make like they got their start in battery packs and like iPhone cables. And mm-hmm. I think they were started by like an ex Google guy. I can't remember. But um they're pretty prevalent and so they are really big in the like the low end vacuum space. Mm-hmm. Robot vacuum space. Um they have so many models with like one feature different between them. It's a little bit confusing. And their numbers, like, they'll be like, oh, the 11S, the 30S Max. Um, mm. But like the 11, or, but the 15C is better than the 30S Max. It's, it gets very confusing. Oh, yeah, um, I bet. So those are cool. And like, generally, the one that most sites suggest as like a starter robot vacuum is the, Right now, the 11S from Eufy, um, mm-hmm. mostly because it's it's fairly cheap, um, so it's a low investment if you like have never had one before. Uh, they're quieter than most vacuums, um, and they're a little bit lower profile, so they tend to get under more furniture. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, and then there's um, there's like Samsung, there's uh, Xiaomi, which is uh, has a RoboRock brand. Um, which are very well regarded, especially on the high end, mm-hmm. um, for their value. Like once you're in the four to five hundred dollar range, but I didn't want to spend that much. It was like my first one, right? So what I ended up doing is I decided to go with Roomba for two reasons. Um, actually, like three reasons. One is like they were the first, so I and they've been around a really long time, so they've been in the game a long time, which means they have a very long history of. Uh, product support and repairs right um and like the Roombas are built to be super duper repairable mm-hmm. um and like modular and easy to clean and get in at and that was a, a complaint i was reading about the other like the newer chinese brands and Yufi is that they aren't as repairable and they're way harder to get into if like an accident happened like if my cat like threw up and the vacuum somehow got to it like they're way harder to get in and clean those things out and get replacement parts uh... so so the market's not as established for that. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other reason was 
plugin support with HomeKit, which I'll get to in a little bit. But that was the, that was another another one for me. So Ooh. I decided to go with like a mid range iRobot, which is like the E five. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less, it's like the random navigation, um, but it has a bit more suction and it has a redesigned cleaning system that they actually introduced with one of their higher end robots. So the cleaning system is very similar um, and you get the benefit that some of the parts are washable and they weren't before, which is nice. So Mm -hmm. that was cool. Um, And I was able to get it for basically the price of like the lower end uh, 600 series Roombas, which are like the classic like Roomba. Like if anyone imagines what a a robot vacuum is, like that's what people are thinking of. Yeah pretty much so uh a little bit more power uh a little like slightly newer features on this one but more Mm -hmm. or less like the same like classic robot vacuum um i have it living underneath my bed because i have enough clearance under there so it just (laughs) kind of rolls out cleans my house and then goes back away which is kind of awesome i really love it that it's just like hidden out of view right now very um Yeah, so I, uh, <laughs> so I, I got the vacuum. I like ran it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Game changer. Everything I wanted it to be game changer. It is a little bit noisier than I would like. Um, yeah, not as noisy as like a Dyson, you like the handheld Dysons or any sort of normal vacuum that most people use. But um, it's like it's definitely audible. Like, oh yeah, you a can fan hear it on medium. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, if like, if it's in like my bedroom, like I only have a living room area with a kitchen and my bedroom, like mm-hmm. if it's over in our bedroom, it's not an issue at all. Right. Um, but if it's like right behind me at my desk out in like the living room area, then it's like a little annoying, but not crazy, not super crazy. Um, so anyway, what I wanted to do was integrate it with HomeKit and HomeKit does not have vacuum support. So I went on this journey and found a plugin uh-huh. and more or less i <laughs> i got it all set up now so anytime we leave it just turns on and starts vacuuming so it has like location awareness which the normal iRoomba or irobot app does not have which is super cool so it makes it like less of a nuisance mm-hmm. just leave it'll clean the house and then dock itself and i never have to worry about it or I just it. come home and the house is vacuum yeah and i never have to hear it right mm-hmm. um which is super duper cool i had to redo my well i didn't have to redo my home bridge setup but my pie something happened with my installation and i went to reboot it and it just like wouldn't turn back on Ooh. um it like wouldn't boot for some for whatever reason uh-huh. i don't know why and i wasn't able to troubleshoot it i also don't have much on there besides this so i was like yeah. okay so i tried this thing called a hoobs which is home bridge out of the box and basically what they've done is they've taken they've kind of turned into like an open source like os installation and it was so easy to get it set up like way easier um like if you're a novice and like you're trying this out way easier to get up and running with this this is for your there are so many things that i didn't have to deal with this is for for a raspberry pi okay yeah 
for a Raspberry Pi. Um, so more or less, it turns into like a headless server uh, with a web UI um, and like really easy setup. Um, yeah, it was really easy. The hardest part was just figuring out I had to add like a custom plugin mm-hmm. that they don't have. Like they have like a library of plugins that you can like one click install, but the plugin I want wasn't there. So like I had to go through and figure out the right JSON formatting and whatnot and follow their guide, uh-huh. which was a quite a bit of trial and error. Oh yeah. But um super easy. And like if you have a device and you want to hook it up to HomeKit, definitely recommend that. Oops. Um you could buy like a new Raspberry Pi with it all installed for, right from them, or you can just like download the image and put it right on the Raspberry Pi and boot it up. Super duper easy. Highly recommend it. Um mm. so yeah, I I love the Roomba. I think it's great. Um, and so it kind of led me to this question, which is more like, why don't more people have this? They're relatively affordable. You can get in like $200 yeah. with a, for a solid robot vacuum. And so, yeah, I, I guess I'm just wondering, I want to talk about like and get your views on like why maybe like things like this or like the other example of like, something robotic that comes to mind like in terms of cleaning is like they have like um automated like litter boxes for cats oh yeah yeah. and stuff like that and so i i'm wondering more like why the adoption doesn't seem to be as high or at least my perception of the adoption doesn't seem to be as high as it feels (laughs) like it or as i think it should be so we actually had a roomba ages ago back when it was um brand new so like when it had first mm-hmm. come into the industry it was like two or three years old we got it we were like this is going to be amazing it's going to revolutionize our cleaning it's not going to be a big deal um we were not educated buyers so we bought it mm-hmm. and we have a massive house out in hershey or at least my parents do and we bought mm-hmm. one roomba and we didn't realize that the Roomba can only support a certain size home. And our home mm-hmm. didn't yep. meet that requirement. It, just like our living room was with having two or three dogs would push the Roomba to its max. So when mm-hmm. I think it's part of education, the, we weren't really aware of the fact that ultimately for just our ground floor, we would need two or three Roombas. Um, that was difficult to wrap our heads around, and that's also significant cost investment, right? $500 for a Roomba times three, that's $1,500. You need to set them up, and then it would drive my mom insane because you have all three of them going off at the same time. And then at mm-hmm. the time, the tech just wasn't good enough for it to auto-dock with itself, which was kind of frustrating because you just have it beeping around the house, and you need to go <laughs> lift it up, take it over. Um I think maintenance was another thing that my parents do not want to ever have to do. Like they'd rather just pay somebody to do it kind of a thing. That's how they are with their maintenance. So to empty out the vacuum every day because we've got three dogs was a pain in the ass. The brush heads got really annoying. The spinner got really annoying. It didn't clean as well anymore. So after a certain point, it was just... For them, they were like, this is a $500 solution that I just kind of wanted to hit start and call it a day. And the technology mm-hmm. just wasn't, wasn't there. It just wasn't there at the time. I don't know if it is now, but it just got annoying with that. Based on what you said, I think it is there now. It Like, everything in my research and, like, 
reading reviews and everything, like the brush heads are totally different now. They're like way more anti-tangle. Mm-hmm. They're actually not like a typical brush that you think of. It's basically like two differently textured rubber rollers on the ground. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're mm-hmm. not brushes at all. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the navigation for larger homes to stop and resume. Right. And then if you were getting like a uh-huh. higher end one, it empties itself. So actually for your parents now, 20 years later, uh, it probably right. makes more sense exactly. than the one back then. Um, so that's, but yeah, so, so, so. so I think, I think that's part of the problem is at the time when it came out, it was one of those like, oh my God, this is going to solve all of your problems. And I don't think the technology was ready for what people cl- thought it could do. I don't think it's necessarily an issue on like iRobot. I think they did a fine job with their marketing. I think it's one of those things where the customer just wasn't educated enough. So to just leave that decision purely Mm -hmm. in their own hands, it's like getting a car and thinking that, oh, great, I can go from here to California instantly. And then realizing that, well, shit, no, it takes you two weeks of road tripping. You're going to fill your gas Mm -hmm. tank a bunch of times. And by the way, your car might break down midway through. So keep that in the back of your head. Um, and not realizing that these things are not a press and go solution. Like there is maintenance, mm-hmm. there is upkeep required, just like anything else in the world. So um, I think that's that's a good reason for why it hasn't happened. So are you saying that you you think that the the public perception today of them? is um, kind of limiting adoption in the sense that they have more of a reputation for higher maintenance. Um, they're prone to like getting stuck and they're expensive. Uh, Do you think that's it? Ish. So you know how um, there's like the whole innovators entrepreneurship curve, right? Where you've got like the, the very the the smallest like 1.5 percent are like the super early adopters and then you've got like that top 10 mm-hmm. percent and then you need to get that top 50 percent in order for it to go into yeah, the rest of the curve mass. yeah yep. i think they were close to getting that critical mass but before that those early buyers got burned by it so it never mm. hit that critical mass i think the issue we have now is and this kind of touches on what we talked about in our last episode where Roomba and iRobot are finally hitting the claims that they made, you know, 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. they're not really saying anything beyond that, right? Like, it's like we had this product vision and okay, now we've kind of hit it. So now we're just in a stage of refinement and mm-hmm. like, that's it. Like, they're not, they didn't necessarily think about what's next, what's the next step after the circular robot vacuum. Um, and I think that's mm. part of the other issue was they got a lot of buy-in when it was promising these massive claims. Um, now that doesn't exist because they're actually executing on those massive claims. But I don't know. Like, I'd like to see them just be like, oh, well, we can do this for your vacuum. Now imagine your dishes being done without a dishwasher, like an installation that you just put in your sink and it just takes care of everything, right? Like that'd be, that'd be, um, <laughs> do you know how many people would immediately buy that just off of the thought of it, right? Even if it didn't do an amazing job, like you had to manually just slide in a dish and it spit them out completely dry, ready to be put away. And so you just have your family as like a supply chain. That'd be fucking amazing, 
right? But that's okay. But that's kind of what I'm saying with the the Roomba is like in for the okay. Let's say for the past decade, they've been on par for most people. Right. Let's say like an average American house, not like a huge mansion. Um, maybe like one pet kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it. I guess. I guess maybe the hurdle is like people don't vacuum as much. Like it's more of like a once a week task to a lot of people based on like my perception of like when people vacuum. Um, So it's not the overhead of the chore is not worth automating it. I think I think on a small scale, on a micro scale, yes. And I think the problem Mm -hmm. that people have and this isn't just a specific subset, but I'd say the grander population of all of humanity is we really don't look beyond a micro scale, right? So you could say, I already have a vacuum. It takes me 10 minutes to do this. Why do I need to drop $600 and get this automated vacuum, right? Um, but if you build up- well, not even $600, like $200, Okay, right? yeah, yeah. So $200. It's like, well, that's like a low-level investment. That'll like- It'll keep your house clean throughout the week. You can run it while you're at work because most people don't work from home unless you're now working from home from the coronavirus, in which case, welcome to remote work life. It's really nice. Yes. We're not going to want to go back. (laughs) Ta-da. But like these things could be, it could be automated away. Like what if you never had to vacuum? Well, not like never, but like what if your once a week vacuum turned into like once every like month three months yeah or like four months or like yeah or, depending or on even like a once a your, month your thing, right like i think but i think that's i think that's the issue right is people we as a greater population or humanity and or people in general i think don't necessarily look at these things as that multiple that multiplying um benefit mm. right like we're looking at it as okay this is going to replace only 10 minutes but what does how does that add up to it over a year right 52 weeks that's 520 minutes that's it's like six seven hours of your life that are that's back you brought up a good point that or it just made me think about like even if i have to let's say vacuum once a month to like just like get like the little things that it misses or maybe like the corner i can't get into or whatever right i still have to own another vacuum mm-hmm. to do that so like for most people they're going to be like I'm not going to invest double the money in these two things, right? The the low end like robotic vacuums are pretty good, but they're not good enough to solely replace your vacuum in most households. So people aren't going to invest more in an additional vacuum, right? Right. Even if it's automated. Exactly. And I think the other element that you face too is okay, then you're saying, "All right, it's not going to be $200 solution. Let's say it's a $450 solution, right? Double the cost, mm-hmm. you can get rid of your old vacuum. Hypothetically, it could take care of all your major vacuuming needs." Um, then I think the expectation suddenly turns into that it should just work, right? I shouldn't need to do anything. I shouldn't need to troubleshoot. I shouldn't need to do maintenance. It should just mm. work. And you kind of face that a little bit with like laptops, phones. Um, people get very frustrated when things just don't work. And it might be, the software might actually be bad. But sometimes there's an element of, well, 
you know, you do need to do a little bit of troubleshooting. You should restart your laptop. Um, you should mm-hmm. clean it so that you don't get oil stains everywhere. Um, just little tiny maintenance things that in the long run can have a pretty large effect. Not a lot of people are like, why? At, at least this is my understanding of it is sometimes I find people are like, why should I need to do this if I've invested a certain price? Mm. No, I, I totally agree. And like, I'm even thinking like, say I vacuum once a week, right? Mm-hmm. If I have like an upright vacuum and I have like a one or two bedroom apartment, right? Like I'm probably not emptying that bag every week. Exactly. Right. You're probably emptying it like once a month, once every couple months. Yeah. yeah. Or like depending on your house and all that. But yeah, so it, it becomes even less of a value proposition. Like it makes sense for me because I'm like here all the time and I'm like yeah. crazy. And you guys are going um, in and out all the and time. And it also plays into my home automation vision. Right. Um. <laughs> so 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 that's the thing is like you, you see things very differently. Like would a Roomba benefit my life? Yeah, absolutely. Do mm-hmm. I think that there's enough value that I'd get out of getting a Roomba? Not at all. Like I fall into that category of right now, I I just don't see the value in it. Like oh I yeah. I vacuum once a week. It takes me ten minutes. Um, sure, does that build up into you know seven eight hours of save time? Absolutely. But mm-hmm. I I'm I just I'm not thinking long term enough right now for me to drop two hundred dollars and get a Roomba. I'm guilty of yeah, the same no. thing. Well, for me too, it's like I was finding I was like generally vacuuming like once a day or like every other day. Mm-hmm. Just like even like quickly, but it's still like having that chore. Like I would always have the vacuum out. It's always like sitting there charging because yep. I don't have a place to like hang it up here. And I was like, honestly, like I'm going through and vacuuming these things like my apartment every day. But like I don't really want to. And really what I'm just looking for is like the peace of mind. Like I said, when I walk around and I'm not like stepping on like a crumb or like a piece of cat litter or something right. like that. Like that's what would drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. So like automating away that like mental overhead i guess yeah um is worth it for me and it's like the cool factor and it's like a toy Mm -hmm. and like all that stuff so and i'd also say like me it made sense right i'd also say like we're techies we enjoy the technology and solving the tech Mm -hmm. and actually troubleshooting it like that's fun for us we enjoy that problem solving to a certain extent um my mom would despise it. She's like, you're telling me I need to do what? I need to restart mm-hmm. it, plug it in, do a little magical dance around it to make it function again? Uh-uh. No, <laughs> you take it, get it out of my house. I'm just going to vacuum my old-fashioned way. And and yeah. for a lot of people, that's <laughs> like, I mean, tech has kind of reached a point where the complexity of it is is very prevalent and the expectation that everybody Mm -hmm. is going to have a natural inclination towards tech that's a lot to expect out of people um and to expect that the development team for all of these tech products have created a robust enough troubleshooting system that it's drag and drop or WYSIWYG that the average person Mm -hmm. can understand that's also a lot of development time not only do you need to figure out the solution but then make it very accessible to not only tech savvy people, but who want that finesse and control, but also mm-hmm. people who are like, I just want my jitterbug kind of phone and just punch in numbers and call it a day. 
Like that's the spectrum, and that is that a is massive definitely a class spectrum. of people, the jitterbug class. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree with that. That's actually, I mean, I would argue that's part of the success of like like the iPad and the yeah. iPhone, mm-hmm. right? Is that they were very stripped down from like a, a modern desktop environment, like the Mac or the PC, um, and they gave you that kind of like constraint, like. Here's all your apps. Right. You don't have a desktop anymore. This is everything four that you can access. in a row, and you just yep. see them, and you go. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. It took away, like, there's no, like, even on Android, there's placement of, like, widgets and icons on the home screen, right? Like, iOS does not have that. It does it all for yep. you. Like, there's no, there's no playing around with, like, you can change, like, sort order and make folders and all that stuff, but, like, there's no, like... This icon's up in the right-hand corner, and this one's down in the left-hand corner. Like, there's none of doesn't, that. Doesn't nope. work like that. Yeah, no. So, I guess, hmm, what do you think has to happen? And I have my own like inclination about this, but has to happen for like a robot vacuum in this case scenario, right, to become mainstream? Like, what do you think it like? In terms of like pricing, feature set, maintenance, maybe it's just marketing. It needs to be simpler than a modern day vacuum, like the upright vacuums. Like it needs to be simpler to use than a Dyson. Which means in terms of like maintenance or like every way. Actual every single every way. way. Right. So it means that I can I set it up to program once and it's good to go. The parts are robust enough that they can handle the wear and tear of weekly or daily vacuuming. Um, Troubleshooting is very simple and easy. Like if it's a software problem, it's not let me go debug. It's okay. I now need to reorder a part, reorder a part, swap out that module and go. Right. Mm -hmm. Very, very simple, very minimalist. I replace the canister every month, every two weeks. Mm -hmm decreasing that load um it essentially needs to get technology needs the vacuuming experience needs to exist in such a way that your house is clean and the technology no longer exists to you it exists Mm -hmm. but you no longer notice it and you actually just notice the value that was my goal with having it under the bed i don't even want to see it exactly i just want to it, that that's like the magic of it right mm-hmm. it goes into its little home i don't have to like interact with it when it's not there but to your point i think so i think we're there in terms of utility right like especially like on the really high end mm-hmm. i think it just needs to come down market. The democratization needs to occur yeah yeah i i think that's what needs to happen next because like the navigation is there that you don't have to change the bin every time it changes the bin itself mm-hmm. and you just have to change like the, the little tower out every once in a while when it fills up right it, it can run its own automations um Ooh. they're fairly nimble with camera tracking the other one is it needs to be smart enough to know not to run over a wire detect a wire <sighs> that's a hard one and not run over it because a human can do that like mm-hmm. I'll have like charging cables on the floor, especially if you've got kids and they're afraid and very poor, like very abused. That is a massive pain point for anybody vacuuming. And if a yeah. robot can overcome that, all of a sudden, that value proposition has skyrocketed. Like if iRobot tomorrow was just like, I have a vacuum that can run over all of your cables that are on the floor and plugged into your outlets, 
and not get tangled. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. It does not do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's really navigation. It's not preventing the robot from picking up the cord. It's just avoiding that obstacle that you've left out. Avoiding that obstacle, running over it without picking it up. Whatever the solution is, mm-hmm. finding a way to overcome that. Because I think that uh, to actually expand upon the earlier, like, what do I think? I think it needs to not only completely replace a vacuum, it needs to actually exceed in expectations compared to a vacuum, right? Why did the car succeed over a horse? Because it just did things so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's like 75% of the way there, but that last 25% is critical. Yeah, um, that 80-20 rule. To get the adoption that it needs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. What about you? Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan so far. I also... I also feel like I am like the ideal customer yeah. for this for this device. I like hide all my cords. I hate having cords out. Like a young male techie things. living in California. I robots perfect customer. Uh yeah. I would say I align with most people's like perfect perfect customer <laughs> if you're thinking in like old terms yeah. of like Personas. let's design it for ourselves. Yeah. Um <laughs> basically our entire sophomore and pre junior product design years. Or junior. Yes. <laughs> Who's the ideal target customer? Me. Myself. I'm the ideal. <laughs> I'm my, me, myself, and I. Why? Because I'm easy to research. <laughs> easy to access. I don't have to schedule time with other people. Exactly. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my goodness. Um. But yeah. So that was just kind of like I've only had it for what? What's say Tuesday? Mm-hmm. I've had it since Thursday, so I haven't even had it a week yet. I mean, but, but what, you know, love very, is love, Alex. When it you is know, love. you know. I'm very much in a honeymoon phase right now. You know, that's what I've heard of me, just people describe me about certain things. And sometimes the honeymoon phase never leaves. I still love my iPhone. I still this is true. love my Hydro Flask. People thought that honeymoon phase would end. I still carry Big Red with me everywhere. Yeah, that thing's a tank. A literal time. Still with me. It's gotten sharper and pointier and hurts a little bit more because I've dropped it so many times. But <laughs> Jesus, if you try and jump me, that corner is hitting your eyebrow, and man, you are going to bleed. You got it's like a benefit. It's like a, a kind of a weapon on you. Hydra it hydrates and protects you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hydration protection. I I was looking at their their mugs the other day because I have my sister gave me a set of four like insulated wine glasses for Christmas, mm-hmm. like from Amazon, some generic brand, which I didn't have any anything insulated before. So I've been using them as coffee cups, but I kind of want a handle on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also a little tip prone, which I'm not. Which about, is funny because they're wine glasses. Yeah, well, they're like the stemless wine glasses, Uh-oh. so smaller they have like a smaller base they kind of taper in at the bottom um i kind of like those to be honest i like them it's just more like misa will come up on my desk and sometimes she'll hit it and it kind of like wobbles a little bit i'm like oh do the wobble like (laughs) i'm a little scared that's gonna fall over but man the insulated stuff is amazing it's so amazing i'm such a convert i used to be scared that it would taste like metal, which I think was an issue a while ago. Yeah. But it's now solved. 
probably from some like crazy coating right put on the metal that hopefully is gonna give us all cancer in like 20 years Um, keep smoking weed man (laughs) you'll outlive us all (laughs) um Alrighty, that was that was pretty much it for me. Um, as far as my my adventures with the Roomba, you went room room on that Zoom Zoom. I couldn't try. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a missed dad joke. That one didn't land. You know, not all dad jokes can land. land. They just kind of room by you, don't they? <sighs> hey, I set that it was up. A better one. Knocked that it out of the park. One. I'm mad. I'm, you <laughs> snuck it in there in your response to the poor dad joke you just made. Expert. <laughs> expert level dad joke maker. <laughs> set, keep, set up the low expectation and then hit it out of the park with a high one. What can I say? <laughs> um, Alrighty. Do you want to move on to uh, hear and tell this week? Uh, if you tell me what you hear, yes. Let us move into hear and tell. <laughs> Right, you go first. Oh, you didn't even post yours in the show notes. Oh, well, mine is... Do you want me to do mine? Yeah. Mine was part of what I was talking about earlier. It's, it's hoops. Um, I'll, I'll post that, the, link? the link to that. Where, that. Dude, I got to do the show notes. It, it's there. It's going to be in the show notes. I just didn't copy and paste it in yet. Lazy. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the the home bridge out of the box stuff like literally could not be easier. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone with really mild like computer experience can set it up i would say the hardest part is maybe like knowing like what code to copy and paste but pretty much if you can like do any sort of lightly advanced computer things you you can find your way around this it's it's pretty pretty uh foolproof and easy to set up and free so best of both worlds that's what i'm all about so we'll have the we'll have the link in the show notes. Yes, I'm posting it in now. Shooketh. <laughs> oh, okay. So you ready for mine? It's gonna be earth shattering. Why? Because it's related to Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay. So for those who don't know, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, and um, on Kotki.org, um, which is I believe a blog that you also check out from time to time um used to be involved with apple ages ago anyway interesting guy posts a lot of stuff good place to go to for one-stop shop on random fun articles that you want to read um and just expand your world a little bit so he found this blog uh i think it's called a collection of unmitigated pedantry 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 my wrong syllable Uh, on the emphasis i think about pedantic so pedantry. So, I guess it's a ped pantry. Um, so it's p- pretty much a blog, uh, a look at the history of battle and popular culture. And he wrote this six-part series on the siege of Gondor. So for those of you who haven't watched the third movie, Return of the King, it's pretty much like a breakdown of. All right, let's actually like break this down and see how plausible something like this is. And use actual historical facts i haven't finished the six-part series i've read the first two bits um regardless to say it's a fascinating read i really enjoy this kind of stuff because it's film it's storytelling um and bringing in elements of the real so i enjoyed it it was uh, a wonderful read Hmm. of unmitigated pedantry (laughs) i 
I I've only seen Lord of the Rings stuff like peripherally. Uh, like my dad used to watch the mm-hmm. movies, and I think I've probably seen like a couple movies. I don't know if I've ever seen one beginning to end all the way yeah. through. I probably have, but I don't really remember. I'm like vaguely familiar with all the lore. Um, the lore of the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it it always amazes me how like in these universes, like Lord of the Rings, um, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, right? Like just like the depth that you can go. Star Wars, like the depth of the universes, mm-hmm. which is what makes them so special and treasured is that they even like star trek more keep like popping in my mind about like their universes and like the properties of those universes and they become so defined that they almost like they pass a point in my mind from like just being a story to like a place that could exist somewhere oh yeah like it's it's well thought out enough and like conceived where it could be like on another planet harry potter as well yeah some other planet yeah that this this is happening somehow somewhere um which is cool it it has like that suspension of uh like disbelief almost Mm -hmm. it's like detailed enough that you're like sure this could work very much so um which yeah which is always and tolkien was a master at that so um no it was it was great it was it's a it's a really good read it's fun um yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. And yeah, it's uh, check it out, man. That's it. That's the show. Goodbye. Done. Ah, wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> before, before Alex runs away. Um, thank you for listening. We gotta say our thanks. Jeez, Alex. You know, <laughs> please let's hold hands before we eat. Um. Yes, so thank you. Not with the coronavirus. No, 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 no. Don't Please, hold hands. Uh, yeah, love oh. up and then hold hands. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that could be the title. Um, thank you for uh, listening. Yes, if you have any thoughts, feedback, please reach out to us. People have reached out to us via email, um, Twitter, Instagram, social media. Our links are in the bio. What? Ooh. Thing we got to mention Ooh. we switched domains oh oh okay wait that'll be a post-show thing that'll I, be a post-show was, thing, be a post-show like, thing. So we're not I done yet to so many podcasts where they there's like a bell that they hit sometimes oh. and i was like i was like you were motioning you were smacking that, that air, I, I wanted a bell just for that moment to be like ah special announcement um would you like to tell the good people what our new domain is well okay so it's much easier well yes okay hang on and uh and show ending now Now it's a post-show. Cool. Um, our new new handle is redeye.fm. There's no hyphens. There's no special punctuation. It is now oh, simpler and amazing. And the podcast works. It automatically updates. I published a new episode and it worked, which is all dandy and awesome and fancy. Um, yeah, Alex and I... So this was a... We... We when we originally got this, we picked a domain that we essentially got for like five bucks because we weren't sure how we wanted to do this. It originally started out mm-hmm. as a blog, and I kind of had this longer vision of uh, a podcast, and we wanted to play out with a blog at the first, or, you know, a couple of approaches. And once we kind of did that, we realized that it's a lot more valuable to us to do a podcast. So we kept Right Eye Dot Design, 
red hyphen eye dot design um but red eye dot design wasn't something that was available and um i hate hyphens yeah terrible. additional punctuation makes it tricky it's not entirely what we want it to be like red eye is one word that's kind of what we wanted and the dot fm kind of implies you know fm radio red eye gives us a lot more flexibility with regards to who we are we don't necessarily just need to talk about design we can touch on all the other little dabbling interests that we have as uh creators and consumers um pardon the uh english and yeah so we just thought it was a good a good transition for us i think it fits us a little bit better it's easier for people to get to us and yeah yeah no i mean that's that's pretty much it it's cleaner easier to type easier to remember um no hyphens and dot fm is more of a common um podcasting thing what are they what are they called uh i forget what those like the dot after a url is called the term is escaping me um are you looking it up uh yeah i'm just going to hover I forget what it's called. It's called something. Um. Anyway, oh, .fm is like a more common. It, they call them domains, uh, just dot .domains. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a more common domain than like dot .design. Like people don't tend to think of dot .anything as a URL. Like most people are trained .com, .org, .net. I guess .net. .net. No one really uses .net anymore. .edu, .gov. Um, and so like oh they're like vanity urls Mm -hmm. i think is like the new thing so like you have all these different dot dot app dot design dot fm dot cheese i don't know it probably exists um and so people like (laughs) sounds cheesy (laughs) um like people aren't necessarily trained or like dot info dot io uh i would say it's like a pop becoming a popular one um and so, like, people are slowly getting more used to these different domains, uh, but not there yet. And so, it's a bit easier. .fm, strong association with, like, podcasting and audio um, versus, like, .design. Like, .fum. I don't know. I don't know any other website with a .design Mm-mm. at the end, um, which is, it's not to say it's bad. It's just not as It hasn't uh, become mainstream yet. Accessible. Yeah, it's not as mainstream. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's not hip. So, ooh, I should go get my. I'm not gonna say it because then people are gonna yes. get my my <laughs> URL if that I or my domain that I want. It just popped into my mind. I'll keep it a secret until I buy it. But Shh. but yeah, so super excited about that. Um, and yeah, that's that's like the big change for the moment playing around with some other stuff in the background a couple ideas we're, we're tossing around but so maybe more to come in the future but that that's the that's the big news for the moment big cheese ah we just went full you're making we- me want cheese and all i have is like vegan uh smoked gouda cheese Ew. which is okay honestly vegan cheese has come away let me tell you a long way even in the past couple years that like i've been like so so it's the roombas it. of cheese um no i would not say that uh it is adequate if you cannot have dairy or you're choosing not to have dairy it is adequate so it's the really pale thin boy on tinder who's adequate um yeah so me 
<laughs> I I am the vegan cheese. I am vegan cheese personified. We should, we should I'm not on Twitter. We should we should uh, um, double check with our prod class and see if they really found you to be adequate. How would you rank Alex and his performance across the board adequate? Yeah, I uh I feel like we could get some uh, people to Adequate's say otherwise. Adequate's not bad. Adequate's fine. Adequate's not memorable. It, it depends on the context, but like I'm fine with adequate. It's not memorable though. It's not memorable, but maybe I don't want to be memorable. Like it depends on the context. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, but on Tinder you, you obviously want, want to be it. memorable. Oh, of course, but I'm if you're I'm having a cheese, right you want it to be memorable. This is this is true, right? This is true. I, I in this context, I like the really cheesy like context. strong cheeses, like blues. So, uh, yeah, I like blue cheese. I like really sharp. How the hell cheese. did we never go to De Bruno's together when we were in we college? Did. In college, we, we went did. to De Bruno's. Yeah, we went like, and we had cheese. We together? definitely went once. We might have gone twice. Actually, we broke together. cheese together. Yeah, we did. We got we got blue cheese and we got crackers and we sat in De Bruno's with one of our other friends. I can't remember Maddie? who was with us and we ate them all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her to remember this. Uh, for for anyone who's not from Philadelphia, De Bruno's is a local uh, godsend. Really like artisanal, like Italian. Um, what would you call that type of store? Uh, I guess it's like a grocery store now, but they specialize in like meats and cheeses and it's like, like your old school kind of kind of stores where like a store specialized in one thing. Like you had a bakery, you had a cheesemonger, you had a, a dried meat, you had like a meat store. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like you went to a grocery store for everything. Like you'd hit up eight different shops, and I think De Bruno's used to be the the shop for meats and cheeses. Yeah, it really started out like. I went. I've been to the original one in South Philly, and it was like really all about like like importing products from Italy, like mm-hmm. olive oil, balsamic vinaigrettes, the cheeses, and the the various dried meats like prosciutto and all that stuff. So it it's kind of expanded since then. But it's like if you ever go to Philly, definitely definitely go to Check the it It's a out. super awesome store. Yeah, super awesome, and you can sample literally anything. Mm-hmm. They have samples out. They'll they'll cut anything for you. It doesn't <sighs> matter if it's like the most expensive like uh, prosciutto they have or salami they have. Like they'll do it, um, and it's delicious and it's fun. So definitely check that out. How do we? How do we get to? That was quite a tangent. I I kept on. making cheese parties. 